Welcome to the Keep Texas Red podcast, where we discuss the importance of true conservative values. Follow us on KeepTexasRed.org. And now, here's your host, campaign strategist and political commentator, Joseph Vargas. Our guest today has served in the Army and later as a police officer in Washington, D.C., in Las Vegas, and later the DEA. He served as a sheriff of Maricopa County in Arizona for 24 years, where he earned the nickname America's Toughest Sheriff. He has been profiled in over 4,000 national and foreign newspapers, magazines, and TV news programs. He was eventually targeted by Democrats, but that didn't deter him. He is currently running for mayor of Fountain Hills, Arizona. Welcome to the Keep Texas Red podcast, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Hey, thank you for uh, your dedication and service and uh, getting the word out. Boy, you could be my campaign manager. That was such a nice entry you gave me. Oh, well, do you still go by Sheriff Joe Arpaio or just Joe Arpaio? I'm, I'm assuming people still know you by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. No, when you have a title, you keep it. You know, you know that. You got people on national TV called governor. They're former governors, right. but I keep my title, and and uh, so I'm proud of it. 24 years as the elected sheriff, longest in history in, found in uh, Maricopa County. I don't know how I survived sometimes. I got a, another headline story against me in a local big paper about racial profiling. When I was a sheriff, I was just doing my job. I had a federal judge that had it in for me. And uh, very sad that judge should be impeached. So, uh, you know, when you're high profile, you're trying to do what's right. They come after you. But I don't care. Any news is good news. Now, Sheriff, you've lived a lifetime of service. Uh, you were in the Army. You were a police officer in the DEA. So where does your commitment to serve come from? That's a good question. I am pausing for a minute because I never say anything until. I'm sure, not that I'm sure, but that I have facts to back it up, and I don't, I don't BS her. So I'm just thinking how to answer that question. I guess when I, my mother died when I was born, gave her life for me, refusing abortion. So consequently, my father and mother did come from Italy, so I had to bounce around from one family to the other till I turned 18. That's when I joined the army. But they tell me, and I remember when I was young, I used to always say I wanted to be an FBI agent, or I used to wear a cowboy hat with two six shooters, and sure. Now, that's when I was young. So I guess that followed me through uh, when I joined the Army. I turned 18, graduated from high school, Korean War broke out, and uh, joined the Army three years, got to be a staff sergeant and then stayed in the army and the reserves as a warrant officer but my big career well first of all i wanted to be a cop so when i got out of the army i joined the metropolitan police it's in the news again because of the capital and all that i spent four years walking a tough black beat in washington dc 1957 uh, 1954-57 and I won't go into all the details, but I did uh, move to Vegas and join the Vegas Police Department for six months, long enough to lock up Elvis. And uh, then I uh, 
went to Chicago, been a federal narcotic agent. I got sworn in. My wife, I married her, and she just passed away. But uh, that was in 57 when I married her in Chicago, and I became a federal agent, narcotics, locked up a lot of dope peddlers. So I guess I did such a great job. They sent me to Turkey, just me, with a thirty-eight. And I did a lot of undercover work there to stop the uh, French connection and uh, made a name for myself in the Middle East as the only agent there. And uh, then went to Texas. And I loved Texas. And I was head of the DA there. I lived in San Antonio. My daughter was born. I covered the Texas-Mexican border. And then I got transferred again, and then Operation Intercept under Nixon, G. Gordon, Liddy, and I ran that operation. We just about closed the Mexican border for two weeks, and that really straightened everybody out of Mexico. Now, uh, I, I bring this up because then I became the regional director Mexico City. That Noriega worked with him. I had agents down there in Panama, Argentina. I can go on and on. Now, let's get to Trump. I'm not going to get into, I don't have the time, but I'm the only one that introduced him at his first rally. Nobody was stand on the stage. I did. And uh, there's two ways to endorse somebody. By the way, I endorse a lot of people in Texas. They're all calling me for my endorsement. Some won this time around. I guess some did not. Mm-hmm. So I love Texas. Great people there. And um, so the intercept, we did that. And uh, when I talk about Trump, there's a little situation going on now. Uh, And uh, uh, they're criticizing uh, Trump. And as I say, I was with him from day one, and I'll be with him to the end. But they're criticizing him for meeting Putin and all that. And, And this is... Something I've been saying, not because of the situation, I've always said, when he goes in the back room to talk to Putin and the Korean uh, guy, uh, North Korea, I forgot what they call him. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong going in the back room? Think he's going to go public? Even when he goes in the back room to take a crap, the media will find out. So I bring that up because when I went to Mexico City, they hated us. So here I am trying to work with the Mexicans in South America because of the border, because we closed that border. So the attorney general of Mexico would come to my house, and uh, he got to like my wife's blueberry pie. So I made sure I had put a little whiskey, not in the pie, and he loved the blueberry pie and whiskey. I never had a problem, again, over pie and whiskey instead of the big stick. My point is you can negotiate even with your possible enemy, get things done, especially if it's a little personal situation occurring that you can believe each other somewhat. So when, when Trump goes out and he talks to people, Hey, what's wrong with it? We didn't have any problems when he was a president. Maybe we ought to be talking more. Maybe Biden ought to bring these guys something. I don't know what he's going to bring them. He's sure not bringing them any knowledge. 
and knows what he's doing, but bring him a nice souvenir or something. You'll get more done that way. Now, during your uh, your service as a sheriff, you ran it. You had a lot of runnings with the media, like you're talking about right now with the leftist media, who were consciously attacking you for enforcing the law or pretty much just doing your job, especially when it came to the immigration laws. And it, in my book that, that I wrote, I call that negative branding, where what happens is the Democrats try to justify illegal activity by attaching an emotional argument to it. So when you were going through all of this, Sheriff Joe, what was going through your mind? Did you know what they were doing? Did you think that their arguments were legitimate? Well, I knew what they were doing because I encouraged them, you know, like I'm doing what I'm doing right in the place. Come on out and watch me. So I consequently, I always said, I want demonstrators. So I go right among the demonstrators. Some give me the finger, but I, at least I have a chance to talk to them. I have to scream above their wording. No, I want them to know. And uh, as far as being a racist, they call me a racist. I have a black grandkid and a Mexican grandkid. I worked in t uh, all over the world. I always got along great with the foreign people. But I got caught up in the immigration thing. But I don't think it was really the immigration thing that George Soros pumped them $3.5 million in 2016 with, with these law firms like Perkins Coy went after me to take away the pardon, which I never asked for over a little misdemeanor. And he delivered the money to a steal uh, for Hillary. He joined Soros and going after me with millions of dollars to get me defeated. And uh, he's the one that went to Hawaii to pick up a certain document, which everybody tells me, don't talk about it. Republicans and Democrats, don't mention the birth certificate. Why is everybody keeping it quiet when I got them 150%? It's a fake document. Why is every everybody afraid to even whisper it? Both sides of the fence. I locked up thousands and thousands of illegal immigration uh, guys for uh, fake documents like Social Security, driver's license. And here we got a president that has a fake document and nobody talks about it. They don't do nothing to him. Where's the criminal justice system? Where is it? So I, I stick with it. If you read my book, very revealing new book, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, an American legend. Believe me, read chapter 10. So uh, I was ahead of the game. So I get very frustrated after 58 years in law enforcement and how this system works. And I know people come to me all the time for my endorsement, and then they forget you. I was, I, I, I'm from an Italian family, and I'm an old-fashioned guy. And I, I, when you shake hands with somebody, that should be your bond. Are you kidding? Today you need 50,000 lawyers. Can't shake hands with anybody, it looks like. Everybody turns on you, especially the politicians. They'll sell their soul for a vote. Believe me, sell their soul for a vote, even those I helped out. And that's sad. Now, Sheriff Joe, a lot of other elected officials have not been able to push back against all these attacks from Democrats and the leftist media like you have. A lot of them, as soon as they were attacked, they really they collapsed pretty much emotionally and they collapsed in their careers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Glad you brought that up. How did how have you managed to to not let them 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, use common sense. Life experience. I don't have all these criminal justice degrees. I came up the hard way from walking the streets of Washington in a block neighborhood to everything I'd done in my life. I'm not exceptional in a sense. I'm just using common sense. So my theory is common sense and life experience. You do know I have life experience. I'm not going to give you my age. I'll give you the date of birth. I was born the same day as Trump. Flag Day, armies. So I'll tell you, your audience, I was born June 14. Then the key is 1932. Wow. And I'm out there. I was at CPAC for two days and two nights. I didn't eat or sleep and walk miles. So at 89 years old, they're telling me I'm too old. They're all full of garbage. As far as the media, if a politician gets one word, they go home and they probably throw things against the TV. I don't. I like that. Let them keep blasting me. I have nothing to hide. At least I get the word out. Now you're a nice guy. It looks like you're. You're not hit me. You hit me with all this fluff. Why don't you hit me on something really controversial? Don't be nice now. Well, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna ask? What me? if you're one of the the things? Well, I really don't have anything to against you on that because I mean I've seen I've been well, able to see well, the other side what they're actually doing. Um, but oh, okay. after committing your life to all these different law enforcements and committing your life to to service, how do you feel about that? The current administration is actually appointing people like to Homeland Security and to the Border Patrol, which are not there to do their job, but actually there to obstruct. What are your feelings on that uh, as a person who's dedicated his entire life to law enforcement and service? Well, you know, that's a big question. And uh, I, I'm a little disappointed over Biden and his advisors. I think he's gone a little too far on this equal opportunity stuff and all that. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to criticize the people he appoints, but uh, I don't think they're overly professional know what they're doing i'll go that far you can read between the lines and we're going down the tube i'm really mad i had to pay five dollars for gas trump had it going good with a pipeline through texas and this guy biden shuts it down and now he has to kiss the the you know what of the middle east to get oil and look what's happening now with the russians thing so we're crazy. Here we were great on gas, and now we got to go back to our so some enemies. Does that make sense to anybody? Why don't anybody? That's the worst thing. That's the best example I can give so far on this guy Biden. Because I'll tell you what: no matter what Trump did, he does the opposite because he's got people in his cabinet and elsewhere that hate Trump. And I think this whole game now is to take down Trump. So he's our commander in chief. We have to stick by him, especially what's going on. But how do we get that far anyway with Russia? I guarantee if Trump was there, this would not be happening. Now, Sheriff Joe, you had a very successful, like you mentioned, it was the longest serving sheriff there in your county. And ultimately, you had a lot of Democrats, a lot of leftist media attack you that made you lose that, that position. What are your thoughts on those people? How do you feel about them? 
Well, first of all, I, I used to be 80% in the polls. I presume I got some Hispanics and blacks that voted for it. I mean, I did, and, and I could have been governor two times over. Everybody knows. It. But I wanted to stay sure. I'm not, I, don't, I don't go from one to the other. I have a gun and badge. Governors don't have gun and badge themselves. They have to call the state police or whatever. That's not really the reason. Can you hear me okay? Yes. This is fading. Let's be the CIA tapping me or tapping you. So, which they did, the FBI did illegal wiretapping on it. So, uh, so they went after me big time. It took them nine years to get me. Uh, uh, Mickey Mouse contempt of court over a really biased federal judge. Believe me, the most biased judge. I ever seen in my life. They wouldn't even give me a jury trial. And they get me on a contempt of court because the judge said I violated his, uh, you know, his order. And they got me on a contempt of court. That's it. And I stand by what, what I did and my deputies did. They had the authority. And but how do you fight city hall sometimes? When you got, and by the way, Obama, Obama was a president, Biden was a vice president. So in 2009, that's when they went after me. And I'm very proud because the first 100 days in office, they give a target who, what they're going to do. I was a target, first 100 days in office. And you know what, what evidence they had? They read about me in the paper. And then from that day on, they went after me. for. Eight years, but I stand by what I did. I stand by what my deputies and my organization. And I'm not going to say uh, all these uh, or associations, you know, Hispanic. We want you to apologize. People and I was sure if I said, "Are you crazy?" I'm going to get up there and apologize. I did what was right, and the system got me. So that's okay. I'm not going to apologize for doing my job. The good thing, Sheriff, is that didn't kill your spirit of service and commitment because you're currently running for mayor of Fountain Hills, where you've lived for about 25 years. And how's your campaign going? What's your vision for Fountain Hills? Well, you know, my wife passed away. It's going to be a year in, on the 20th. And, and she, you know, I had a lot of races. She, she'll do anything I wanted. And then she said, are you going to run again? I'm talking about Senate. Congress would go to Washington. She was in bad shape. Uh, and I said, uh, I, I, I said, because she would have okayed it. And I said, well, I don't think I will. She said, if you run for anything, why don't you run for mayor of, of Fallen Hills? So I love the town. I visited property. I bought property here. I was a sheriff here for 24 years. And people forget, especially in Fountain Hills, a lot of snowbirds, that I was covering this area five years before that. Not exactly five years, but years ago when I was head of the federal drug enforcement for Arizona. I locked up dope pellets in Fountain Hills. So I got 30 years as a top law enforcement guy in his town. So uh, I'm working hard. I take nothing for granted. I used to have to worry about four and a half million people. 
to vote. Now I'm worried about 18,000. So, so, you know, never take anything for granted. I think it's a very commendable, Sheriff Joe, how you've been able to not let the left get the best of you, how you're still in, you have your passion for service. So what would be your advice like to other conservative politicians so that they can actually push back against all the negative branding from the left and the Democrats? So my advice is be honest, tell it like it is, quit playing the game. And uh, something people don't like, go to the people, talk to people. Well, Sheriff Joe, we want to thank you for all your service and thank you definitely for standing up to the Marxist Democrats. And thank you for even after all of that, still having the desire to serve. Uh, your website on your campaign is Joe Arpaio for mayor. We wish you all the best on your mayor campaign and thank you for being on the podcast. Well, maybe we'll meet again soon. Definitely. Once you get elected a mayor, maybe you'll invite me over. Oh, yeah. You could be my master at ceremony. That would be great. I'll have you and Ted News in it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Keep Texas Red podcast. Follow us on keeptexasred.org.